rest of the story. Only now you know the rest of the story. MLC coming to you live on a Memorial Day Monday. Uh, we posted the story of the 1972 Grand Champion Steer at the National Western Stock Show. Being joined by someone that was live and in the flesh at the 1972 National Western Stock Show. And that man's name is Bill Elliott. You're welcome, Matt. Thank you for calling. You so do you see my show as more of a Rush Limbaugh show or more of a Paul Harvey show? I'm going to go with Rush Limbaugh, you know. I hear what you're saying there, but I will offer this. In this episode, okay. we're, we're going to tell the rest of the story. So I was there in 1972. I think the following year they rebuilt, they did what was now currently on the hill or has been remodeled, of course, but what they call the old mule barns, uh, where steers were stalled out there and what they call the old mule barns. And the Hereford cattle actually had their own building set aside on the hill. I mean, that, there was nothing in there but Hereford cattle. Okay, I, I've, I've since re-interviewed... Mr. Eldon Miller, just a little bit this morning, he gave me a few talking points to maybe put out there. He said that there was a lot of influence with the breed associations back in the day, such as the Angus well, Herford and the Show Orange were the only ones that were able to show at the show. Uh, but we just spoke, and he said there was some some clarity there that you could be technically Angus sired and still be a Char steer and show in the Angus division. Yeah. Anyway, just I mean, add the, some granularity there and, and uh, yeah, just give some background on that. At that particular time, a lot of the shows didn't have a crossbred steer division, so as the, the European cattle were coming on the scene, of course, the Charlets were the first, let's say, European cattle introduced into North America. Uh, so, you know, and a lot of people were using Charlet bulls on Angus cows and even Hereford cows and so on. So they had to they had to allow them to show all their requirement was, or they said, is it sired by an Angus bull, which most of those cattle weren't, but they didn't bother to check or anything as we had spoke earlier. It wasn't until after the fact that most of the major shows started, you know, they put in a crossbred division for those cattle to be eligible. But there was a time as these European cattle were coming in and, and uh, populating the country, if you will, the club gap industry and so on, uh, the only way to show them would be in those one of those three breeds. And the Angus, I mean, sure. most of the Charlotte bulls at that time were used on Angus cows. And, of course, most of the shows were open shows. Not They had junior shows, but the open shows, at, well, like the International, the American Royal, National Western, the open show champion steer would be the one that, sold in the sale of champions at that time. Uh, the Angus, the Herefords, and the, and the Shorn Association wanted to keep those other breeds out. They wanted to keep the focus on their breed. I mean, there's a lot of discussion that can be had about this whole situation. But one thing that I did want to mention is, uh, according to Eldon, for the two or three years previous leading up to that year in Denver, uh, Charlotte Steers were just breaking onto the scene from Europe as you mentioned earlier and i mean i guess there was a quote that eldon told me that a nick overpeck told to him at one of the state fairs that year that charlotte steers right there would be good if he was only black so that statement said in jest maybe was the start of a long-term plan 
I could hear Nick saying that for sure because I Nick was one of my mentors and, and I knew him well for a long time. The the first Charlotte Cross steer to win a major show was Conoco and that was in Chicago in 1969. You know, you know, you mentioned about the breed associations, uh, particularly the Angus Association. Of course, a lot of the people that were working with those associations were uh, they weren't thinking out of the box. They were. They were just, you know, they couldn't couldn't believe that some other breed could come in and either a dominate or help the Angus breed. And I know some of the association guys were just shaking their head and just disgusted when Conoco won Chicago. The fact of the matter is that steer changed everything. And in that particular, I was in Chicago that particular year, and Conoco won it easily. I mean, he was like he was there, and then everybody else was there participating, if you will. Cattle prices revolved around market price at that time because there was not a huge difference between a commercial well, calf that was worth good money yeah, and a club I mean, calf. And I just think that's a change yeah, I mean, over the last that's a change over the last four years in that today you can't really breed commercial cattle and expect to get show cattle. Back then there wasn't a huge difference between commercial cattle and show cattle. Well, as far as the price goes, Matt, I mean, back in those days, I mean, if you had a, if you sold a club calf for $500, you thought you were rich. And market value, the numbers off the top of my head, you know, $150, $200, it was the feeder calf price. But I did predict some years way, way back, I said, you know, this club calf thing's going to end up like the horse business. And, and I just said, you know, I can see this club calf thing turning into the horse industry in terms of escalated prices and value and so on. We pretty much agree that's kind of what happened. And it's a good thing. Um, Eldon wanted to make it known that uh, in the New York Times article and then the YouTube video that was posted, mm -hmm. it appears like the... Uh, previous owners that Eldon had bought the steer off of at American Royal were, they just, they could tell that was their steer, even though they sold them as a char and that calf was black. But unfortunately, as sometimes happens, that's not the real story. Uh, according to Eldon, an Iowa neighbor of Eldon's had reached out to the family that he purchased him off of and tip that family from Colorado off. So I don't know the whole background of who it was, but Eldon did want to make mention that uh, there was a tip-off as far as the calf coming into the show to the uh, previous owners. And it wasn't necessarily that they knuckled I up believe, to the steer and the steer cuddled up to them is what the uh, newspaper article said. I believe that is correct. Uh, Eldon would know better than anybody. I make note, Eldon Miller is one of the greatest cattlemen in the country. Uh, he's yep. been around a long, long time and, uh, he's done a way more good for the cattle and show cattle industry in particular than anything negative. This deal happened in 1972 and Eldon started the National Livestock Exhibitor in the late 70s. And if this was the death knell in Eldon's career, he simply wouldn't have been able to go on and dominate the show cattle publication market for two decades. That, that so, is absolutely I mean, correct. He, he said he was accepted by his peers, and that's all that he really needed in terms of moving on from that uh, particular Yeah, industry. yeah. Eldon was mm -hmm. a great competitor when they were showing cattle, and he was highly respected for that. And you had to get up early of a morning to beat him. <laughs> that's all I can say. Sure.
the last thing that I'll say is Elton stated to me this morning that uh, shoe polish was put out there as a possible possible way that he dyed the steer from head to toe, but he wanted uh, he wanted everybody to know that most of it was done with just good old fashioned hair dye. But all I can say is it was a it, it was definitely a a one hundred percent complete <laughs> job that anybody off the street or just walked up would never. Never ever have guessed that originally that calf was white. <laughs> so, and then uh, to finish up the interview, uh, Lou DeYoung reached out to me, formerly South Dakota. Lou has moved to Texas. He sold his ranch in South Dakota just over the really? over the really? uh, winter, and uh, he said that the 1975 steer, just three years after this one in '72, mm-hmm. was bred by the DeYoung brothers. He was shown by Monty DeYoung, and guess what breed he was there, Bill. Well, I believe he was, he was a Charlie he, Angus Cross. He was a Charlie calf. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The Hilbert boys showed a lot of the young cattle uh in well in Chicago and play and I mean those cattle were unique. I mean they were uh that uh, you know you have to tip your hat to the to the de young family and of course Hilberts were professionals that showing cattle, but the DeYoung cattle were good cattle. I mean, they weren't just a cliff job. They were good from the ground up. As you're talking about Hilbert, uh, Eldon also said that back there in the 70s at Denver, your steer had the great choice or you didn't receive the money uh, from the yes, premium they, sale. And that was, uh, yeah, they did that for a while. But uh, That might be a judge issue there. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. You know, put the monkey on the judge's back. Pick cattle that will carcass well, will make CAB, certified Angus beef, meet their specifications, grade low choice or high select or whatever the requirement is. But if the judge can't pick cattle that qualify that make that, they shouldn't get paid for the, you know, they should just relinquish sure. their salary or their paycheck. But uh, I always yeah. thought it was ridiculous to penalize the exhibitor or the feeder, you know. Give uh, give your hometown and uh, also your cell phone number in case anybody needs a good show cap in Central Illinois. Sure will. We're at Petersburg, Illinois, just about oh, 20, 25 miles north and west of Springfield. Uh, my number is 217-741-6894. And my right-hand man who's really in charge nowadays, my younger son, Brian, his number is 217-971-4862. Yeah, we'll have cattle for sale year-round. We run a spring program and plus a fall calving program. Here. All right. It's been a lot of years since I've heard this, and I'm going to sign off like this. This is Matt Lautner, and now you know the rest of the story. Good day. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you, Matt. See you. he could never have known. It was not just a made-up name. There really was a stubborn old Virginia physician named Dr. Pepper. Only now you know the rest of the story. Bull Harvey. Good day. <laughs>